Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Marie RD, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. Before we dive into today's episode, we are talking review of the week. And this review of the week really touched my heart because this person is talking about the Marine Corps episode, and that was a hard one to share. So it feels really good to get some positive feedback. Colleen Young is this week's winner. So Colleen, if you hear this, please make sure you send me a DM at Serena Marie RD or email me Serena at Serena Marie RD.com. And that way I can gift you a free masterclass. And if you are super jealous and you want a free masterclass, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And if you hear it read on the pod, you can choose from a, po- a masterclass, a free masterclass about intra run hydration, stopping sugar cravings, body image. There are so many to choose from. So Colleen, make sure you send me that message so you can snag your prize. What Colleen had to say that really touched my heart was Serena has the amazing ability to balance information and knowledge with empathy and grace. Her show has taught me so much for training nutrition and mindset and her personal stories play over in my head when I don't have a good run or race day. I ran a half marathon recently where I didn't feel great about my performance, but loved the race and appreciated the course beauty. Hearing Serena share a similar experience with her Marine Corps marathon made me feel less alone in that lesser talked about experience, which is exactly why I shared it. So thank you, Colleen, for this very lovely message. It really touched my heart. It's just me today. Try not to be too disappointed. I wanted to talk to you today about BMI, and the reason uh, this is coming up right now is because it is summer time is fast approaching. It's April right now as I'm recording, and BMI and the doctor telling you you need to lose weight and the pressure from all the social media crazy people who are telling you you need a beach body to get beach body ready or whatever. You know, the pressure is real because we have it coming from healthcare providers. We have it coming from judgy, wedgy people on the internet. We have it coming from, you know, culture. Whenever you go out to dinner with your friends or your family, people are talking about weight loss and diets. And I think one of the hardest, the hardest places to make peace with is if your doctor recommends weight loss to you. If your doctor tells you your BMI, your body mass index is unhealthy, that can send a real chill down your spine. Because as runners, I would say a value that most of us share is health. We we like being healthy. We want to be healthy. And I just want to have a little five-second PSA. It's okay if people don't value their health. We don't have to all have the same values. But if you're listening to a podcast by a registered dietitian and you're a runner, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say one of your values are health. And so if a doctor tells you that you are jeopardizing your health because your BMI is above 25 or 30, it can become um, it can become some a story you start to tell yourself that your body weight is impacting your health, your longevity, and that can be very nerve-wracking. Now, 
We already had an episode with Dr. Lisa about how um, being in a larger body does not necessarily lead to running injury. So definitely encourage you to check out that episode if you just need a reminder of how runners in all different body sizes can run and have healthy joints and not have injuries. However, if we're worried about our BMI and what it says about us, today's episode is for you. So each uh, month, my clients and I, we have something called a Better Body Image Happy Hour. And during this time, essentially, I pick a topic and how it relates to body image and your beliefs around your body, and we get into it. And it's really cool because I open this up to all of my clients. So we have clients who have been working with me for a long time, for over a year, and we have clients who are brand new to their food freedom journey. And it's super interesting to just kind of hear everyone's insight, everyone's opinion, everyone's experience, how it's changed changed as they've started to be on this food freedom journey for longer. We have athletes who are in their teens, their 20s, their 30s, talking to athletes who are in their 50s, their 60s. And so it runs the gamut of life experiences. And yet something we all have in common, something that we all share is that if a doctor gives a recommendation, it tends to sit with us a little bit different. It starts to feel a little bit more serious. It feels like something you have to follow through on because a doctor knows best, don't they? When it comes to nutrition, your doctor doesn't know diddly squat. Um, I have an immense amount of respect for doctors. I worked in the clinical setting. I worked in uh, with doctors in a hospital setting for over 10 years. I have worked in surgery. I have worked in transplant. I have worked in trauma. Um, I have seen doctors save lives. I have so I worked in during the quarantine, during the COVID pandemic. I was in the hospital with doctors who literally were doing incredible, really freaking scary things day in, day out, not sleeping, not eating, taking care of people. I have so much respect for doctors. I, I, I can't like emphasize that enough. And I have a lot of respect for doctors. And I can say this confidently, having worked with doctors for so many years gotten really close with them, really like, you know, sat in conference rooms with them, spoken to so many doctors, spoken to attendings in detail. There is not, there's hardly any training in nutrition when you go to medical school. It's like mentioned in one class, you know, during med school and that's about it. And so an RD, a registered dietitian is a very vital part of a team because they are the only person who is providing a science-backed approach to nutrition in that plan of care. So when your doctor, if you're just seeing your primary care doctor, you're just seeing your doctor for whatever reason, and he or she gives you a nutrition recommendation, I want you to take it with a grain of salt. I want you to say back, hey, doc, cool, thanks. Can you hook me up with an RD? Can you hook me up with a dietitian? Because let me tell you right now, even a dietitian who has a weight loss focused, maybe that person and I don't see eye to eye on everything, her or his recommendations are going to be way less crazy than the doctor's recommendations because the doctor doesn't know anything about nutrition, right? I have had doctors pushing keto. I have had doctors pushing carnivore diet. I have had doctors pushing intermittent fasting for people that have freaking large gaping wounds and have increased energy needs. Like 
they just don't know. And and that's not bad because they know so many things that I don't know. And I would defer to them for, you know, 98% of medical things. But when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to your body weight, when it comes to BMI, when it comes to counseling skills, doctors lack the know-how. And so I really need you to take a deep breath if your doctor tells you you need to lose weight and I need you to be brave. I need you to put your big girl pants on and say, cool doc, can I have a can I have a recommendation for an RD? Or you can send me a DM, right? Like even if it's not what I specialize in, if it's like freaking something else random, I can try and hook you up with a dietitian who can help you. So don't listen to doctors when it comes to weight loss recs. I know it's hard. I know we've been brainwashed into respecting them and thinking anything related to health, we defer to our doctor. But in this scenario, no, <laughs> no. Even if you have diabetes, even if you have something that you feel is so important to nutrition, your your lifestyle, your body weight, I do not want you to have any judgment until you talk to an RD about it. Because there's a huge chance that the information your doctor has given you, the information you have gathered on the internet is wrong. Wrong. So wrong. Okay. BMI. So BMI is one of these, like, this is the proof in the damn pudding. If you're sitting there and you're like, I don't really believe you that doctors don't know what they're talking about. The fact that doctors care about your BMI, go by BMI. Listen, I get a lot of it has to do with health insurance. I get that a lot of the coding that is done around BMI is for reimbursement purposes. This was literally my job at one point. I get it. However, like the problem is, is let's say the doctor's like, I'm just doing this for health insurance purposes, for reimbursement purposes. I'm just coding your BMI for that reason alone then it shouldn't ever come out of this doctor's mouth of saying like, your BMI is 26, you need to lose weight. Your BMI is 32, you need to lose weight. That is not relevant to why somebody needs to lose weight. BMI is a made up metric. It is not backed by science. It was created in the 1830s by a dude who was not a doctor. He was a a mathematician, essentially. And he um, basically created the BMI based on data from a bunch of white men of French and Scottish descent. The reason I bring that up is because now this metric that was essentially based on like nothing anyway, but you know, if there's anyone it maybe is a little teeny bit relevant to, it's white men, but we're using it on women. We're using it on people of all different cult- uh, backgrounds and races. And we're just extrapolating data from white men in the 1830s. And we're saying it's relevant for people of all different backgrounds now in 2023. I mean, just that alone should make you roll your eyes and like lose complete respect for for BMI as a metric. Um, So this guy, um, Adolphe Jacques Quichlet, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correct. Again, not a doctor, just a mathematician. He created this, uh, you know, BMI table essentially um, and was trying to use it not for individuals. So I have to give him some credit. He didn't create it because he was trying to assess individuals' health, but rather using it for populations as as a, as a way to look at populations and their level of, of quote-unquote health. And these tables essentially that Quetchlet created, they were adopted by life insurance companies in the 1900s. So life insurance was like this new cool thing 
thing that was just being like, you know, on the scene in 1900s. The rich people were using it. And, you know, those who could afford life insurance, um, those companies needed a metric of like how to charge people essentially. So they adopted these tables. So that was kind of like how they came onto the scene. And then it kind of like fell off. Like people weren't essentially like chasing after these BMI charts um, to, to, to be used in any way until the Ansel Keys study. So Ansel Keys was a researcher who um, essentially was studi- studying metabolism. And he wanted – his research is really interesting. We can have a totally separate episode about his research because it essentially – proves how dieting destroys metabolism and thyroid hormone and creates um, preoccupation with food. It's a really, really important landmark study in in diet culture. Um, But Ansel Keys ended up using BMI as a metric in his study. And he noted when he chose BMI that it was a poor indicator of body composition. However, it was like the only indicator he had. You know, this study was not during the time of bod pods when we could use, you know, high-tech science to measure people's body compositions and body fat percentages. Um, so he just used the tools he had available to him, which was a BMI, was the BMI. But he noted in his paper that it was not really the best indicator. It was just cheap and it was easy and it was available to him. Okay. So Ansel kind of brought BMI back on the scene. Like he put it in the papers. He put it in studies. His his publication was huge, um, really super relevant, huge discovery in the science of metabolism. And so BMI kind of started getting integrated back into like studies and into the healthcare system at that time. And here's the thing. So BMI now is being used. BMI is now being used as a metric for what is healthy, what is overweight, underweight, et cetera. And so we already see how there's so many issues with it. It was created in the 1830s. It was based on data used from white men. It was supposed to be used as a population metric, not as a metric for individual health. Um, the person who created it, it was not a doctor. There's no, you know, it's not validated in any way. And yet it's cheap, it's easy, it's the tool we use. And it gets worse. (laughs) It's hard to imagine it gets worse, but it gets worse. In 1998, okay, in 1998, the, the National Institute of Health changed the BMI cutoff for what is overweight. I mean, you can't like make this stuff up. So essentially in 1997, if your BMI was 27, you were not overweight. You were considered normal, healthy, average. You were you were good, quote unquote, according to BMI. And then in 1998, the National Institute of Health changed the cutoff to be um, to go from 27.8 for men and 27.3 for women to 25. So suddenly, someone who was a BMI of 27 in 1997, they were healthy. They were quote unquote normal. And then all of a sudden in 1998, they woke up and they were considered overweight because the National Institute of Health had changed their cutoff. This was not based on some kind of like study that showed that there was any kind of, you know, increased risk of mortality or morbidity or disease when you were a BMI of 27, but rather um, 
this, a lot of this was influenced by weight loss drug companies who wanted more people to be categorized as overweight and obese so that they could start pushing more prescriptions for weight loss medications. So we see here how this is like a huge joke where we will, you know, judge people and um, assess people's health uh, based on their BMI, based on this crazy calculation of your body weight divided by your your height in, in meters squared. Um, and how really there is there's just so many holes we can poke in this story. Okay, so we just went through the history. The history is bananas. Now let's just like look at what the equation is. Okay, so like the history is bananas. The history, um, there is so many flaws in it. Even the creator himself said this is not supposed to be uh, used for individuals. It's for populations. And here we are in freaking 2023. You walk into the doctor's office. The first thing they do is weigh you and calculate your BMI. You're a one-person show. You're not a population. Okay. We see how they're willy-nilly just changing the cutoff from overweight to, to, to uh, what's considered normal or healthy. They just like willy-nilly changed it so that they can start pushing more drugs and more weight loss drugs. And that alone should make you kind of be shaking your head, rolling your eyes and being like, okay, yeah, BMI is a big crock of shit. Okay. But let's, let's like pretend we don't even know that. Let's just look at the equation. Body weight measured in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. We're basing this metric on your body weight. Now, your body weight doesn't tell me anything about your body composition. Some people uh, weigh more because they have more muscle mass. Their BMI would be heavier because they have more muscle mass. And yet, according to BMI, this would put them into that problem range, right? Right? That quote-unquote overweight obese range, potentially. A lot of this language I'm using today is very fatphobic. I'm using the language of our, our medical system. This is not, you know, the language that I would typically use. Um, so I, I probably should put a disclaimer in the beginning of the show about that. When we're looking at body weight, it doesn't take into account the ratio of, you know, white to brown fat. Uh, brown fat is something genetically a lot of women have a lot of brown fat on their hips, on their lower body. It is metabolically active. It is not linked to increased risk of um, disease. And yet body weight alone, we, there's no indicator there. Brown fat versus white fat. When we're looking at someone's body weight, we don't have a map of their, their genetics, right? Some people are going to be of descent where they are going to be heavier. That is healthy for them. And actually getting into that quote unquote normal BMI range would actually put them at increased risk for um, being unhealthy because they are not giving their body enough energy and resources to optimize hormone health, to optimize skeletal health, to optimize the health of their immune system. Um, we can't just assume one size fits all. Again, that data was based on white Scottish and French men. Um, I'm not a man. <laughs> I'm not Scottish or French. And yet somehow that is the genetic code that's being used to assess my level of health. 
<clears throat> BMI, the body weight, looking at someone's body weight, it doesn't assess someone's history of yo-yo dieting. Yo-yo dieting has been linked with increased risk of disease, um, lifestyle-related diseases such as diabetes or high blood pressure or heart disease. So if I just, you know, naturally my genetic code is one where I am going to be sitting in that BMI of 30, that's not unhealthy for me. That's my genetic code. That is what is healthy for my body. But if my doctor tells me to lose weight so I can get myself down to a BMI of 24.8 and be in the green, be in the good zone, according to my doctor, we know that dieting doesn't work long term. In 95 to 98% of people, you're going to regain the weight and probably gain more weight within two years. So I'm essentially yo-yo dieting my life from BMI 30 to BMI 25 to BMI 30 to BMI 26 to BMI 26 to BMI 31. That yo-yo dieting, that repeated weight gain, weight loss is actually detrimental to health. That is a way more important um, metric of health to know about versus someone's BMI or, or body weight. Okay. I need to like cool off over here because it just makes me so angry. But are you seeing, are you hearing me? Are you believing me? Are you nodding your head? Are you parking the car and pulling over and crying and screaming in a rage? I kind of hope you are because <laughs> it's ridiculous. It gets worse. I have more info to share with you about why BMI is baloney. I want to talk about the obesity paradox. This is hilarious how this is named. The obesity paradox is a study. It's a meta-analysis by the National Center for Health Statistics. And it was done in 20, it was conducted in 2013. And it actually found that in 97 studies, which covered over th 3 million people, nearly 3 million people were included in these studies, it actually showed that people who had an overweight BMI were 6% less likely to die in a given year than those people who were in a normal range. And as you approach middle age, as you approach that elderly box of life, as the box that, that the um, National Center for Health would consider elderly, you actually became even more um, unlikely to die. So you became healthier in that overweight, quote unquote, BMI range versus the normal range. I want to say that again. This is called the obesity paradox, where it's saying the paradox is that people who are overweight are 6% less likely to die in a given year than those in a normal range. Here's the hilarious thing. Why is this called a paradox? Why can't it just be like, oh, that's a fact. That's true. Fatness does not equate less health. Fatness is not bad. Fatness does not lead to us to being able to assume someone is less healthy. But instead, we label it a paradox because we have to work on this assumption that fatness is unhealthy. Because when people are wanting to be thin, striving to be thin, striving to work against their genetic blueprint, they are spending money on weight loss drugs. I mean, look at 2023, Ozempic, all of these freaking weight loss drugs that the Kardashians are using. I mean, that people are making billions of dollars on this because this 
fact, the obesity paradox that people who are in an overweight quote unquote range actually can be healthier than those of us in a normal quote unquote range, that is considered a paradox rather than it being this discovery, this, this, this important news development that, hey, having fat on your body is not the end of the world. I, I just want to say, I, I don't think our doctors are trying to engage actively in this toxic, you know, cycle. I think a lot of doctors think that fatness is bad. And I think they're just as brainwashed as us. I think they really believe that having a BMI and the overweight and quote unquote obese category is, is detrimental to health. Because like I said, doctors don't get nutrition training right? Like remember in med school, they're taking half a day, half a class on nutrition training and that's it. So where are they getting their nutrition training? It's from Instagram. It's from Facebook. It's from Cosmo Magazine. It's from grandma's, you know, uh, advice that she gave her son and passed down to her grandchild. Like they don't have, they are not sitting and looking at the science and looking at the data that registered dietitians are looking at. So they are jumping to this sexy, marketable um, weight loss advice. They are making assumptions about people's body size and as it relates to health. If a person in a large body goes to the doctor, instead of getting the medicine that somebody in my body size would get, right, getting the, the recommendations that someone in my body size would get, which would be something like, hey, doc, I don't feel good. They would work me out. They would be like, why doesn't she feel good? Let's take blood work. Let's figure this out. Let's deep dig deep. Let's refer her to the specialist. If I existed in a larger body, there is a good chance my doctor would practice lazy ass medicine and say something along the lines of, of course you don't feel well. Your BMI is high. Of course you don't feel well. You need to lose weight. Go lose weight and come back to me and tell me if you feel better. And it is this lazy medicine that has people afraid to go to the doctor, right? People who live in large bodies are afraid to go to their healthcare professional because they are afraid of being fat shamed. They don't need to be fat shamed by their healthcare professional. They get enough of that freaking existing. It's sad freaking world we live in. But then also, if you go to your medical professional feeling unwell, And the solution is go on Weight Watchers, which is just going to make you feel worse because now you're like starving and hangry and you feel like shit because you're sick and there's something wrong. You are not getting um, you're not getting that level of care you deserve and need. What if you have a tumor? What if you have a, um, a, a condition that needs antibiotics, that needs treatment? And rather than going to a specialist or getting that referral or getting that medication, you're being sent home with a pamphlet to Weight Watchers. That is a huge issue. And I have had clients tell me firsthand accounts of their experience of, oh, yeah, I felt sick. My doctor told me to lose weight. I went and got a second opinion. And turns out I had cancer. I had a tumor. I had a hernia. Like literally lazy medicine. It is lazy medicine to just tell someone to go lose weight without working them up, without taking um, taking the time and the effort to learn more about their condition. And it makes, it breaks my heart because it's really sad that doctors are supposed to take care of people, but fat phobia is so prevalent in our culture 
but they don't even realize they're hurting their patients. Again, I have a lot of respect for doctors. This is not me saying like doctors suck. (laughs) I really have so much respect for doctors. They do so many incredibly important things. And yet they are human. They live in our culture. And so they are not exempt from having fat, internalized fat phobia. And so I really want us to take a moment right now to realize that BMI does not say anything about your health. When you look at someone's body, you cannot assume their their health status based on their body size. You cannot assume how fast or far they can run, how athletic they are based on their body size. If you are concerned about your health, rather than pursuing weight loss, which has been associated with yo-yo dieting, which is associated with high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, all those things that you're trying to avoid by quote-unquote getting healthy and losing weight, you are setting yourself up for them when you go on an intentional weight loss diet. What we can do instead is we can focus on sleep. We can focus on movement. We can focus on eating more colors, vegetables, fruits, getting more healthy fats from nuts and seeds and tuna and salmon and avocado and olive oil. What we can do is we can focus on stress management, trying to meditate or go for a walk or take a few minutes to close our eyes on the couch rather than eating some ice cream or smoking a cigarette or going on social media and watching videos of, you know, things that make you stressed out, like news. Um, There are so many things we can do for our health that have nothing to do with pursuing weight loss. And in doing so, you're actually pursuing health rather than setting yourself up for the binge restrict cycle, for the yo-yo diet cycle that keeps you trapped in the system of constantly seeking weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, spending money on weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, when you should be spending your time, your energy, and your money on learning how to enjoy your life and be healthier and happier. So I hope this has been um, a really like eye-opening episode. If you learned anything about BMI and the science of BMI, I would love for you to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear this. Um, I would feel so deeply appreciative if you could leave a review, a podcast review, if this was helpful and you learned anything today. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with me on Dear Runner Bod. I hope you have a little bit more love and appreciation for your body after today's episode and a little bit more um, apprehension around your doctor when he or she recommends weight loss. That's really the message I'm sending. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.